Well, hello again, friends, and welcome to the Young Anglicans podcast. The Young Anglicans podcast is a place for conversation and discussion about ministry to teenagers through the lens of Anglicans. It's hosted by me, Andrew Unger, and me, Eric Overholt. We're both real-life Anglican youth pastors who want to see young people find and follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. We're glad you're with us. I like that our introduction has real-life Anglican youth pastors because we're such a rare breed that, like, wait, is this a real <laughs> Anglican youth pastor? Yeah, yeah, we're real. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go down that tangent too far. Um, so today we're talking about um, three streams. Um, if you haven't heard of three streams before, it's how people talk about kind of the breadth of Anglicanism, especially in the ACNA. And so um, the three streams, and I'm, I'm not always even sure what the three streams always are. There's the, the sort of Catholic, the evangelical, and the charismatic. Is that right? Word, spirit, sacrament. Word, spirit, sacrament. Oh, there's like different ways of looking at the three streams? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I always and I always imagine that evangelical is like evangelical reformed. Um the because okay. I, I put those in the same camp as opposed yeah. to charismatic, which is also kind of a, yeah. a stream of evangelicalism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I can see what you're saying with that. I so so for me, if 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 you wanted to like have an icon for them, yeah. right? So so for the word you'd have like a picture of the Bible. And for the spirit you'd have a, a little picture of a dove. And for the sacrament you'd have a picture of a of a chalice right if that yeah. helps us think yeah. of it in any way i don't know and i think i mean whatever we call them i i think if you've ever spent any time in the broader acna um you'll find that the um you, you'll already know these three streams you'll know different people from different sort of histories within the episcopal and anglican churches that um fit into these streams so you'll you'll think of an Anglo-Catholic church. We know those types. You can imagine the charismatic types. You can imagine the sort of more evangelical scripture word types. They all exist. Um, for me, the the best place this is typified, or one of your measuring sticks, at least between the Catholic and the and the evangelical or the the sacramental and the and the word folks, um, is you ask them their opinion on the thirty nine articles, and this <laughs> is great because basically, if you talk to I remember hearing one person in talking about it was either transubstantiation or, or sacraments or things like that. And they just said, well, the articles tell us like beginning end, like we have it. This is what it is. And then you talk to the Catholics and they approach it sort of like um, the pirates code in the pirates of the Caribbean movies. Like they're more like guidelines and they'll have, and they'll refer to, to John Henry Newman um, who wrote Tract 90 in the Tractarian movement. It's, it's basically saying, like, when they reject transubstantiation, the articles aren't describing real transubstantiation. <laughs> so what they're rejecting doesn't really count. And so it's okay to believe in transubstantiation. I mean, it's it's that sort of thing, which, I, I don't You know, I would, I would be upset with them. But um, but then I, I was reading the articles the other day because I'm a good Anglican. Yeah. And uh, so much no, better than me. Part of my so devotions, right? Everyone reads through the articles every morning as part of their <laughs> morning prayer. But um, I was reading that they have a definitive, like, capital punishment is okay. It's like a good and godly thing for the state to do. And I was like, well, yeah. I guess I treat that one like a guideline. So I don't have much room to talk anymore. <laughs> um, and let me just say before we talk about this anymore, 
um, years ago, Young Anglicans Project was doing webinars. So instead of a podcast, we had just recorded someone on on YouTube. And so we have a YouTube channel if you look up Young Anglicans Project. Um, and we have like three videos and they're huh. all from like 2012 or something like that. But there's so one long by, ago. So long ago. <laughs> um, but there's one by Jack Gabig who um, runs the the Doctor of Ministry program at Trinity uh, in Ambridge. And he did like an hour long talk on the the origins of Anglicanism. He it's basically three streams, but he talked about the the Johannine, the Petrine, and the Pauline aspects. So the Johannine is this monastic, charismatic thing. The Petrine is the more Catholic side, and then the the Pauline is the Reformed Scripture side. So if you want to get really deep into the sort of background, the history of it, um, there's an excellent one hour talk by Jack Gabig on the Young Anglican Project's YouTube page. So wow, that's awesome. check I that didn't out. I didn't know that existed. Um, so here's a here's a question, because <clears throat> we'll get into youth ministry. Because we I can spend a lot of time just talking about Anglicanism from thirty thousand feet. But thinking about actual youth ministries, do you think it's important to include each of these aspects in your particular youth ministry to try and encourage all three streams in your youth group? Uh, the short answer to that is yes. Okay. Done. <laughs> but presumably you want me to go a little further than, than just a short answer. I certainly would. And, and so as you're asking the question, the thing that comes to my mind is, uh, what is discipleship, right? And discipleship mm-hmm. is, uh, if I could steal a, a line from Julie Moser that I heard one time, uh, teaching others to follow Jesus the way you follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, I'm going to say yes, because part of what I love about Anglicanism is that I don't have to choose. Do I yeah. want to do I want to be charismatic? Do I want to be evangelical word based? Do I want to be sacramental uh, to me? And this is I, I understand this. There's a lot of personal preference in this. Yeah. But I I see. I see avenues to Jesus in all of them through all of them. I, I see Jesus, Jesus, I see the Trinity coming to me and me coming to the Trinity in all of them. Yeah. And my feeling about that is why would I limit myself to one or the other uh, or, or two? Or it's like, no, if, if I have, if Jesus wants to come to me in, in, in X way or in Y way or in Z way, mm-hmm. come, come Holy spirit. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive. Um, what a gift it is that I have this opportunity to receive. And so in some ways, th- that's part of what I love about Anglicanism Yeah, is that uh, is that I can go to a Jesus culture conference. Um, and even though it's 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 got some wackiness and some craziness, it's like I, I find other Anglican churches there. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to have our provincial youth gathering in a few months and we're going to celebrate the sacraments and we're going to uh, partake of this bread and this wine in this certain particular way. And it's going to connect us together and all the things that a sacrament does mysteriously and all that stuff. Um, And we're going to spend a lot of time in the Bible and we're going to trust that the Bible is the way way Jesus is revealed to us and all of those things that we talk about. And. I don't have to limit myself to one of them because when I, I, and I find that when, when I wind up in these places where, where it is limited, where there's only one, one that it it, Mm -hmm. like, 
there's prob I I see anyway there's problems with it or it becomes yeah I, I've been to a conference before that that is is so very clearly reformed right and yeah. I, and yes partly reformed in its theology but also reformed in its culture and it's very clear that from their standpoint Christ is primarily mediated to us through words and and I I receive him a lot you know in my brain and yes they're going to acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart and my mind blah 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 but I got to the point in this conference that I was like I like I I really think Jesus comes to me in other ways besides just words yeah and I I've had enough words I need some other I need I need to feast on the Spirit I need to like. We, we, not just me. It's not just this personal thing. Yeah. Like we, we need to experience like, yeah. yeah. So that, that's, that's the way. So, and that, so that, that's why the, the longer answer is yes, but that's because that's the way I want, I experience yeah. Christ. So I want to lead my students into the fullness as well. Yeah. It's, and it's, if I just finish here, it, it's the same reason why, even though God has not put a, a burden on me to go and serve homeless people. Mm -hmm. right? I know I, 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 I know I, we, we as a church need to serve homeless people. Yeah. The burden that, that God has put on my heart is to serve teenagers and to raise up a new generation of people who love and follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I know that some of those teenagers, some of them are going to get amped up about going and serving the homeless. And that is, that is the particular burden that God is going to put on their heart. And so therefore we, as a youth group, as students are discovering their giftings and their passions and the way God has formed them, I, I need to be taking my youth group to serve homeless people, not only because it's right, but because some of them need to discover that this is the particular burden that God has put on their heart. Yeah. Yeah. So I does you it make sense why I bring that up in this context? No, that I think that fully makes sense. You mentioned the you know youth ministry or discipling is helping people follow Jesus the way you follow Jesus. Um, I really like that. The my my primary metaphor for youth ministry, well, scratch that. My primary metaphor for adolescence is the internship of life. That you're sort of you have some ideas and you're just trying to work them out. You're trying to figure out what you like. It's sort of life's internship where there's you're sort of already but not yet. It's that stage between school and employment it's a stage between childhood and adulthood and so in that sense um as you talk about uh the fact that you're not burdened to serve homeless people but you need to take your youth group to do that because that might hit with one of your students i think actually i wonder if our youth ministries should actually be broader than the churches to which they belong mm -hmm. like our youth ministry should try and recognize this is the breadth of anglicanism because our students will presumably not attend the churches they're at right now for the rest of their lives. They're mm -hmm. going to go somewhere else. And and that means either they'll they'll have if they want to stay Anglican, they'll have limited opportunities or limited options and we want to make sure that they can feel potentially at home that there's something still familiar about, you know, the church that's in Western Anglicans if they grew up in a Quincy church. We want to make sure that they see some similarities there, but also if they have Anglican options, it would be lovely for them to say, you know what, I grew up in a church that was kind of spirit heavy, you know, mm. but mm -hmm. but for my own spirit, that felt a little bit too chaotic. But because my my youth group showed me that the breadth of the Anglican way and these different ways to pursue Jesus, I really loved that sort of monastic Catholic kind of look 
and I found this church that is Anglican that fits where where my heart sings. And so I want to end up there, and they find that church, and they can still pursue God there. Um, I think a lot of people who grew up out of evangelicalism describe a narrowness there that their experience, and this certainly isn't true of every evangelical church, but there's this um, suspicion of tradition, suspicion of other types of churches, and it's disorienting when you go to college or you leave the home and you discover these other ways of being Christian that you were told were like unacceptable, but when you experience them, you realize, oh, this is actually, this actually does all the things that I was told were important but in a very different way. And they end up mm. kind of, it, it's jarring to sort of realize yep. that, that your upbringing was narrower than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the things that were, that were, you were warned of going to ended up actually bringing God to you and mediating the presence of God to you. And so I, I think there's this value in, in showing, showing our hand and saying, look, our church, our church is a, is a sort of, like I'll give you All Souls, for instance, high church liturgy, evangelical theology, right. um, I, I think is is a too crass, but still a good summary of it, right? Like we're we're in Wheaton, Illinois. We got lots of Wheaton faculty, but it's sort of a a sort of sacramental evangelicalism, very much um, very much inheriting the legacy of Bob Weber, who used to teach at Wheaton College. Um, evangelicals on the Canterbury Trail, like that's kind of a big part of our ethos. But we've got a, a rector who loves high church liturgy. And so a lot of my students grow up and naturally feel like, you know, this is how you do church. It has to be high church. You know, one one of my students when she was a senior, someone mentioned like screens in the sanctuary. And just at the, the mention of it, she was like, Ugh. like there was this visceral response because you should have paper and books and things to hold. Um, but I'd be doing her a disservice if if she never experienced um a different type of doing church right. that was still anglican because right. if if her only understanding of how to be anglican let alone christian was this very particular type of anglicanism and we're a unique right. church even in our liturgy even in our sort of high church church beautiful aesthetic um i'm doing her a disservice cuz i'm making her do all the work of of realigning her categories and having to redefine what it means. I'm forcing her to do it all on her own mm-hmm. instead of saying, look, there's a way we do things here, but here's all the cool other ways that people do stuff. And yeah, that might not be your, your thing. Um, this might not be how you feel comfortable, but maybe it's like, <laughs> it's like getting my son to try new foods. Remember just cause a flavor is new doesn't mean it's bad. Right, um, right, sometimes right. you have to try something a few times to recognize, oh, this flavor is okay. It's yeah. all right for me to try this. And my initial reaction was just to its newness, not to its badness. Right. And just Anglicanism is so broad. We have to accept that. Like it is a, yeah. it is a tradition of compromise in its yeah. DNA, yeah. At, at least since the, the Reformation. Now, some people say it's, some people claim it, it's more ancient roots and say it's not that way. But at least in the last 500 years, it has been a, a tradition of compromise, of holding things in tension. And I think that's something to celebrate. Yeah. Well, it, there's a couple things that come to mind. Uh, but I'll, So when, when I first got out here to, to L.A., uh, the youth pastor at, at St. At Luke's, where I am, was uh, Andrew DeFusco, 
who shout out to Andrew. He's at uh, last time. I think he's still at St. Peter's, which is somewhere in the Pittsburgh area. Um, anyway, shout out to Andrew. Uh, he doesn't listen, I'm sure, but <laughs> shout, shout, shout out to him anyway. Um, but anyway, one of the things he did as the youth pastor here is he actually did a series on worship and actually took the students around to other churches throughout L.A. Now, he wasn't limiting himself to Anglicanism. Hmm. So actually, as I, as I understand it, he went to a local Greek Orthodox church. And I, I went with them one time when they went to this downtown, like super edgy, young adult kind of, you know, we're meeting in a last night. This place was a, a, a dance club kind of place yeah. uh, for, for it was real church service. But um, it, it was. Yeah. Uh, it, so it went it, and like was trying to expose the students to like the breadth of not just Anglicanism, but the breadth of Christianity. Yeah. And I actually thought that was kind of cool. And, I, you know, I'm not sure that I would have the guts to do that. I'm not sure what my rector would think or my bishop would think if I decided to do something like that. But I like the idea and I can appreciate the idea. Um, but that's also partly some of that, like that shows that if I went to this, the edgy downtown church or if I went to the Greek or I'm going to be looking for Jesus in the midst of all of this. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to be trusting that the people that are here uh, they're, they're seeking Jesus. Uh, it's, it's a different way. It looks different. There's some things that I would have differences with them about, but I'm going to honor their heart that, yeah, this is what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in some ways that's cool because frankly, you don't, very few of us have the entire breadth of Anglicanism within a car drive from our churches, but if we look at churches in the ACNA, especially in style of worship, they are as broad as the rest of the church combined. Like they are, you will find Anglican churches that are functionally Greek Orthodox, and you are going to find Anglican churches that are functionally edgy, cool, awesome churches that sort of, you know, have the liturgy there. And that's in some ways, I think, teaching our students to recognize the value of the things that unite us, the, the value of the prayer book, things like morning and evening prayer, things like the lectionary, things like, you know, all, all this, all this kind of Anglican distinctives and almost, almost like reduce them down, do the, the Von Harnack thing and reduce the, the kernel and the husk and say like underneath all of this other stuff we do, the particularities of how our church does morning, evening prayer, Eucharist, stuff like that. But let's look at the kernel. These are the cool Anglican things that get expressed differently in three streams, but are all together. And this, I mean, in some ways, what what, what we're trying to do is <laughs> pitch a certain amount of Anglican unity that the adults in Anglicanism don't always acknowledge <laughs> um, between each other. Um, but we're we're raising the next generation of Anglicans, and so I think it behooves us to say, to tell the next generation, um, let's live in tension. Let's live not, um, to, to borrow a phrase we heard on the Ask NT Write Anything podcast, let's, let's not make demands on each other's conscience, but let's make demands on each other's charity. Let's say we're going to hold this together because Anglican institutional unity matters. That's you know our last episode on bishops. Um, institutional unity is valuable, even if it doesn't ever feel like you're actually in the same kind of church as those reform types or those Catholic types. I mean, it'll look totally mm -hmm. different, but let's keep on mm -hmm. forcing ourselves to hold in this tension in these three streams um, because institutional unity has value. 
Yeah. So the thing that comes to like we're 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 talking. I mean, clearly both of us have an ecumenical spirit on some level, and we're 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 much much we're looking hard for the things that we share in common rather than focusing on the things that divide us. Um, But it does bring up the question then of one of the things I find myself battling hard and trying to figure out how to to push back hard against with the limited exposure that I have to my students is the idea of consumerism, even, even within our churches, because especially because in modern America, we're so dealing with a, a deeply consumer culture. And so how, how do we embrace this ecumenical spirit and embrace the idea of three streams without teaching our students that you just go and find what you like, find what feeds you, what's good for you, 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 this it's, we give them, I don't want, I, I desperately do not want to teach my students that whatever you want, whatever feels right for you, that's what you should embrace. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, there's a, there's a terrific book, um, called, um, the title is something like guaranteed pure. It's about the beginnings of the, the Moody Bible Institute, uh, my alma mater. And it talks some about the introduction of consumer Christianity and one of the presidents and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's actually a lot on the forefront of my mind these days, thinking about, um, Christianity as this product that you consume, mm. um, and Alan Noble in Disruptive Witness, which came out, I think, last year, wrote terrific stuff about treating Christianity like a brand um, and thinking in terms of, like, the medium and the message and how, like, putting Bible verses on a T-shirt is basically saying your faith is just like a sports team that you like because um, you're treating it the exact same way. Um, I think part of the way to combat that is to include all three streams and to force them to say there's this thing you don't naturally like and, but we're going to do this and I want you to, to see the ways in which it might form you well, even if you don't find yourself naturally liking it. And I think we actually do that in having liturgical worship. We do that in, I mean, all of the Anglican practice is largely, again, putting these obligations on them and saying, do this anyways, even if you don't, don't find yourself easily liking it because it will, form you in a positive way mm. um we we had a, a conversation with our our youth group a few weeks ago um the lesson was sort of could you do church via app there was this um the, this mega church church home only one h and they did they they were opening a new campus church home global which was an app and you can sort of watch live worship things yeah, and you can i pray. heard about it so we we've our my youth group has made a sort of group on that so we can so uh, two people did it. I haven't joined in yet, but there are like prayer requests and you can like pray for anybody anywhere, except like when you pray, there's, you have to like, you can put your two thumbs on the, and like hold them down on your phone and it'll like okay. vibrate. And after you've like <laughs> held it for like 10 seconds, it vibrates and it registers that you prayed for someone, but it gives oh you like God. that haptic feedback. It is the absolute worst. Um, <laughs> I am fine with being on record saying this is terrible. Um, I don't even know how I got on this thing. I think I just, it was just brimming up inside me, but, but giving them other experiences and saying, okay, what, what things actually matter? Having church on demand, having, this is why having church on demand, church on your terms is actually poisonous for your soul because it never makes any demands of you. And it says you get to be in control of this. 
And I think including different ways that the Anglican Church functions is a way of saying there is a rich treasury and breadth of Christian tradition and Anglican tradition. And and if you just out of hand discount one of these streams, you're actually probably going to be um, doing things to your own detriment. I I think about this, I, I've experienced this in a number of different camps. Um, and this isn't because I'm sort of enlightened, like broad church and everybody else is dumb. But um, but in, in both the Anglo-Catholic world and in the Reformed world, I experienced a certain amount of like, we have all the answers. Um, when you talked about Reformed and culture um, at that one conference, I thought like, oh, so like lots of beards and like plaid <laughs> shirts and microbrews. Got it. I understand perfectly. Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I, I see those people and I often want to say like, oh, you're missing out on on the beauty and the mystery of, of the spooky Catholic folks. Like, yeah, like, look, absolutely. I'm, I am not a fan of benediction of the blessed sacrament that the service yeah. in which you have a monstrance and you sort of lift it up and you're like, there's Jesus. We're excited. Mm-hmm. Look, that's not my, that's not my thing. I think I can go as far to say as I'm glad there are some people who do it because I'm Ooh. glad as a reminder that my own natural tendency to like, be cynical and say like no nothing's really happening i mean stuff is really happening but quit being so fussy about it there's someone pulling me the other way there's someone pulling me and saying well no andrew do you really take real presence seriously do you really believe that jesus is showing up and feeding you in the eucharist it's good for me to be pushed in that direction um Mm. and, and i think for the catholics it's good to be pushed into into hearing do you really read scripture and do you really take these words seriously? And are you really doing what the articles say, which is not creating any theology that can't be proven by the new old and new testaments? Um, are you really there? And then both need to be told occasionally, like Jesus said, he sent the spirit and that, you know, greater things his disciples would do because of the spirit. Do you, are you leaning into that or are you finding your own ways to control the narrative, have everything sure and and living in this tiny little box? Um, And I think it behooves us to show our students that even where we are, I think it's always good to do ministry autobiographically to be able to say, Hey guys, this is where I am. And here's the way that, that I'm being pulled in all these directions um, where I find that my faith is insufficiently charismatic, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. And I need to be reminded of where the spirit is active and moving. I think that's a really valuable thing for them. I, I have to admit, there's part of me that wishes that we had somebody else on the podcast today, because clearly both you and I are in this place of we want we want to embrace the breadth. Yeah. Um, I, I know that there's people out there that probably disagree with that on some level. Yeah. And um, <laughs> this same sort of ecumenical spirit in me that wants that therefore wants to embrace the breadth is is also saying, OK, but I, I would trust that they're coming out of coming at this from a place of of genuine conviction. And I, I would love to at least try to hear from them um, why they feel that way. Yeah, um, that's like yeah. keeping burning coals on their head. Like, because we believe your opinion is important, we will hear your opinion that our opinion isn't important. That's what we're going to do. Look, if you disagree with us, facebook.com slash young Anglican podcast, you can uh, yell at us in the comments. I mean, we're happy to, 
We're actually looking for more people to engage with us online. So whatever opinions you have about, about what we said, about how uh, I'm sure you can find something insufficient in what I said, please comment, <laughs> tell us, you know, let us yeah. know what we're missing out on. For sure, for sure. Well, I think, I think we have, uh, we've run this topic into the ground, at least enough for you guys to yell at us. So um, as always, again, we have, uh, we have Facebook, we have Twitter. We're always looking for suggestions, um, whether that's topics or guests or whatever you think we need to talk about. We are very interested in hearing back from you. So um, go ahead and comment or share and like and do all those social media things so we can have digital validation for what we're doing. Um, and I guess in the in the spirit of uh, the church's role to, to preach to the next generation, I'm going to pray out a colic here. Before I do, Eric, any last words, any last thoughts, things we need to say? No, I think I'm good. Other than, yeah, no, we're good. All right. I'll stop. <laughs> well, then let me pray. Almighty God, who called your church to bear witness that you were in Christ reconciling the world to yourself, help us to proclaim the good news of your love, that all who hear it may be drawn to you through him who was lifted up on the cross and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends.